Welcome back to the Book Dialogue. This is Sarah. And this is Rebecca. And we are here to share with you, I was going to say the wealth of our knowledge, but I, my wealth is not very, it's pretty shallow. <laughs> we continue to learn. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> This is a journey that we're on, and I'm so glad that we're inviting others to share in that journey. We're learning, we're growing, and each time that we take on a subject matter, it's an opportunity for both Rebecca and I to really develop ourselves as people. You know, Sarah, I have to tell you, you wax eloquently <laughs> and say it so well. It's true. It was Sarah's idea this time to share poetry. and. What I found interesting is that she chose Robert Frost. It's it's interesting because I um, most people have heard the name Robert Frost. Most communities the, in society today don't look at poetry as being something that is vibrant or valid for their life. And the Robert Frost's poetry was the one thing that popped out at me as being something that is the pinnacle of... Two roads to yes, two roads. <laughs> in a yellow wood. Well, you know, I think most people don't see it as being something that, that can add value to their life. Well, really and, and the other thing too, Sarah, is that we all think that poets are sitting in their little dusty corners, scribbling away and lead very boring lives. This is not the case. Oh, no. He is the only poet to have ever won the Pulitzer Prize for Poetry four times. So you're saying four times. He must have had lots of education. Oh, actually, to be truthful, he had over 40 honorary degrees, never an earned degree. He taught in university, never earned a degree, but had over 40 honorary degrees. Isn't that amazing that someone... It, it, Poetry seemed to have picked him. Well, I think if you ever read any of his work, and I would encourage people who are listening to take a few of his poems and just introduce yourself to him. He was known for being a person who brought the vernacular, the everyday language into poetry, and it made it accessible. He was such a powerful uh, wordsmith. He would select words that not only, you know, evoked emotion, but actually painted visual pictures in your mind. And I think from the perspective of people who don't see poetry as something that can have value in your life, all you need to do is to read, you know, um, oh, you know what's really good? Right. The of Fire and Ice. I think you should recite it, Sarah. Here it is. Okay. Fire and ice. Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if it had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great and would suffice. I love that. I do too. But you know, I didn't know about this poem. You know, we know stopping 
by the woods on Stony. We know uh, the 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 pathway. We all know those yeah, because those are so used. But in... we don't know a lot of them. And I want you to. You did a lot of study on fire and ice. Well, it's interesting because most people are very familiar with Game of Thrones. Now George R. R. Martin, who is the author of Game of Thrones. Um, also writes a series of Fire and Ice, and it is actually based in large part, he took uh, from this particular poem. For people who like Stephanie Myers, who is a Twilight fan. Oh, yes. Did you know that Bella recites this poem? No. An eclipse, yes. The For people who are in the sci-fi channel, uh, Through the Badlands uses this poem as well. So... People don't see poetry as having any validity in their life, don't understand that it forms the basis of what we in popular culture love to follow. Okay, do you know that I, I did a little research too, everyone. I Sarah does research, but I thought, oh, do you know that Robert Frost got this information from a prominent astronomer called Harlow? Shipley, Shapley, S-H-A-P-L-E-Y. I didn't know that. Well, what happened was, is that Shapley describes an encounter he had with Robert Frost a year before the poem was published. Now, Frost was to ask, asked him, how would the world end? And he said, well, some would be fire and the other would be ice. But what was interesting is that Shapley was surprised to see this poem come out a year later <laughs> and then he referred to it oh this is a way of how science can influence the creation of art <laughs> i mean let's take all let's all bring it all together <laughs> now according to frost biographer now yeah. that wasn't it it was dante's infernal <laughs> canto 32 in which the worst offenders of hell the traitors are submerged while in a fiery hell up to their necks in ice. So you see, <laughs> this poem has a lot in there. How many lines is it? Six? It's oh, very, uh, very few. It's about nine. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's a nine. It's a niner. Well, you know, the thing is, you realize that here's these this small little piece of poetry that took no more than about 30 seconds to recite. and But it has had huge impact on the world. And we don't realize that there are other poems, you know, the two roads, yes, you know, diverge. The, the road not taken. And yet most people wouldn't realize that it comes from poetry from Robert Faust. But yet it's found in all of our um, popular literature, um, you know, lectures and universities use it. Business people talk about, you know, having the two roads, you know, it, we we, we embrace it in our own way and we mm -hmm. we say okay that's my experience and this is what relates to that experience do you know you were talking about home burial oh it was one of the first poems that i read um home burial is the story of um a husband and a wife who have obviously lost a child and it talks about the grieving but more than that, if through very simple language, there is the portrayal of the unwillingness of the, the couple to share or to resolve the grief. 
And so you not only have the history of the loss of a, of a desperate loss, but you also see the foreshadowing of the breakup of that marriage. And he, Robert Faust, in very simple language, he was known for everyday language. He was able to evoke such powerful emotion that you just wanted to reach out and, and console this woman who'd lost their child. I know. And which brings me to the whole idea of his personal life. Oh, it, it he had uh, an awful life, just an awful life. We talk about, we hear about, you know, he, he got the Congressional Medal. Oh, he um, even went to, to uh, the Soviet Union in hopes of meeting Nick, how do you pronounce it? Khrushchev. Khrushchev uh, to lobby for peaceful relations between the, the two countries in the Cold War. Well, he was commissioned to actually do a piece of poetry for John F. Kennedy's inauguration. Yes. So, you know, you look at that and, oh my, he must have had an amazing life. No, he lost his father at 11. And they, he left him with only $8. And you don't realize how incredibly difficult life would have been at that time. There weren't the social systems to no, be able to no, take care there of. Wasn't. Um, but, you know, tragedy actually followed him his whole life. He and his wife had six children. Out of those six, one committed suicide. Two died in very early infancy. Um, and a one didn't outlive him. She died as a young woman after uh, uh, the birth of a child. And one died of cholera. Yes, it it, yeah. it it's just if you stop and think about what he went through in his life you are able to better understand that his he was able to take it oh he, he could take it. it and used it and said this is how i handle grief because it wasn't only that dealing with mental health himself he experienced depression as did his wife and he had to commit his younger sister to a mental hospital where she died so taking this and being able to combine this grief and put it in forms of words that are meaningful and that speak to us even today. Have you ever heard him recite his poetry? I would suggest you do that. <laughs> I, I, I think it's worth a listen, but then read it. Uh, yeah, but I really, I really appreciated his, his voice. His ability to explain, uh, and he, like you said, every word, he touched every word with his voice. And it was, it was imbuing that with something special. Nothing was left, not a A or a the. It was all important to him. It was all important. And it's, it's interesting because he, I think, in his life has been, um, he he understood what the important things in life were. He was known as being very folksy. Uh, a lot of people look at it as being very melancholic in his approach. But if you read his poetry and see it through the lens, it's it's very, I think, wholesome. I think it's very down to earth. I, I remember Spoils of the Dead. Um, and it's a commentary on that we take nothing with us. So to really treasure Is that each a poem? moment. It's a poem. You see, half of it, I don't even know. Well, it in in doing the research on this, I wanted to read of a variety from his diff the different periods. He was a poet. I mean, he sold his first poem in England for I think it was fifteen dollars. That would have been 
that would have been a lot. Well, and it also a real affirmation that yeah. this is the way he wanted to go. And he wrote from that time, I think it was 1913. Uh, I, don't, don't quote me on the date. But he wrote consistently through to his death in 1963. Well, he was also a farmer. Yeah, it's the only thing apparently that he was actually successful at. That in poetry, because he tried a lot of other things and he wasn't. And isn't that a good lesson? Maybe yeah. we just need to stick to those things that we're passionate about and that we're good at. And we will... And take our time to actually read poetry. Yes. There's, that's another conversation. Okay. Reading poetry out loud soothes the spirit, experience what is the full breadth of life. And I think that's a, a really a great way to look at poetry. I would like to do Edna. Oh, okay. You always have such exciting ideas. I, I want Edna I learned too. so much. <laughs> At the same time, and uh, and uh, from a different point point of view, oh. but I like I like Edna. Well, that well, stay tuned, folks. This is exactly where we're going. Uh, these dialogues are going to take us on a journey that is always exciting and always new. Please, we'd love for you to join with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts and your ideas and what you've learned. Let's say it together. Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if I had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great. And, and would suffice. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back next time. See you later.